Man, it is good to be heading back into game week after a weekend off for the Tar Heels, and that means it's a perfect time to take stock of where things have been for the first three weeks of games for the Tar Heels. So we're going to look back, and then we're going to take some time to look ahead at what's coming for North Carolina. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, September 19th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and joining me is the man, Anthony Pagnotta. We get a double dose of our guy this week. So excited for that. We want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second of your team every day. So here's what Anthony and I are doing today. We're going to take a little bit of a look back at what's happened through the first three games, take stock of some things, and then in our last segment of the day, we are going to look ahead, um, just projecting a little bit over the final several months of the season. And so, Anthony, what I want to start with is just looking, I love this feature that you do, of some stock up and some stock down. So through these first three games, I want to hear from you three players or three position groups or, or whatever it may be that for you are stock up. Well, stock up, I think, uh, I mean, first of all, it's a very easy one, but I'm going to take it because <laughs> it's there. Uh, Drake Bay is definitely stock up. Um, you know, coming in, I mean, to what, about a week and a half out of the start of the season, we didn't even know who the quarterback was going to be. Um, I think a lot of people probably thought it was going to end up being Drake May. And uh, that's who they end up going with. And now we can see why. And now, you know, there are actually some of us that are kind of sitting there saying to ourselves, man, how good is Jacoby Criswell if it took him <laughs> that long to create the to, you know, have the separation from Drake May? So uh, I think you, you just look at the numbers that he's put up. And, you know, I think now, you know, we'll have to reset. We'll see this week, you know, here early on, probably Monday or Tuesday, um, they'll start to sort of put out where he is in the Heisman ranks. But, I saw a lot of people heading into this past weekend, just based off those first three games, a lot of people had this dude, you know, second, third in the country in terms of what he was doing. And I think at the least, he has put himself on a lot of national radars. There are a lot of different guys that I've seen talking about him. A lot of people that um, you know, are looking at him as somebody that is going to be a big time prospect towards the NFL draft. Over the next few years, you know, a lot of comparisons of him to guys like Trevor Lawrence, all the way to uh, Justin Herbert, who I you know watched a little bit of his game the other night on Thursday night, and I thought there were some really good comparisons to it. So I think the thing is, you know, people were wondering about this quarterback position after a legend like Sam Howell left campus, but man, Drake May <laughs> really has us feeling confident. Um, you know, I I think you know the fact that uh, he's they just started the NIL sales of jerseys uh, for uh, the Torio, current Torio players uh, just a few weeks ago. I would imagine that Drake May, you're going to see a lot of Drake May jerseys in that stadium on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, rather, when they play Notre Dame, <laughs> um, because this dude has really, really stolen Carolina fans' hearts. Um, another guy that I think you look at and his stocks up through uh, the early portion of the season I got to say Kobe Pesor. I think you can yeah, say a lot absolutely. about the wide receiving core, but this was a guy that didn't even win the starting job at a camp 
Um, now, part of that may be logistics of them wanting to have him in the slot as opposed to putting him on the outside. But look, going into that game against App State, most of us were thinking it. When we found out that Josh Downs wasn't going to play, there were a lot of us that were saying to ourselves, man, what kind of game are we in for today? And if you would have told me that the defense let up 61 without Josh Downs, I would have told you there's no way that this team won that game. But a guy like Kobe Pesor, back-to-back weeks uh, for Carolina, he led the team in receiving. So uh, he has been outstanding. Um, and I think he's a guy that has sort of created a little bit of a conundrum for this coaching staff yeah. uh, to try to get him, him on the field in some Absolutely. capacity. Because, you know, Absolutely. as we heard when Matt, when Matt Brown has talked about Josh Downs here over the last couple of years, he goes, he, he says, look, that freshman year, we should have been more creative to try to get him on the field, even though we had Daz Newsom. Well, Kobe yeah. Pesor is putting you in a very similar situation. How are you going to get him on the field? And uh, the last, you know, this one will be a group that I think uh, overall their stock is up. I think you got to have the offensive line overall as stock up. And part of that is because, well, if you were buying stock um, for for stockbrokers, you probably could have gotten that for about a penny for the share. Uh, That was very, very low coming into the year. Um, But look, man, they've had their stretches. Uh, There's been a couple of moments. I mean, it happened in the App State game and the Georgia State game. Um, where they had stretches where they let up a decent amount of pressure, um, but they sort of regained themselves and restabilized and made plays when they had to. I think their run blocking throughout the year has been pretty solid. I think their pass protection is probably still the one thing that you're questioning a little bit with this unit. But I think for the most part, you have to commend the job that Jack McNell Jr. has done coming in here and getting these guys to adjust their mindset. They have made some strides out of the gate. And I think, you know, the other day against uh, Georgia State, I think the biggest thing that you saw was Spencer Rolland is an important piece for this team on the offensive line. I don't think Jonathan Adorno played bad, but to have a veteran guy like that out there that creates that flexibility, that gives you the opportunity to where, hey, if somebody is struggling on that right side, we can take them out of the game and let things slow down for them for a second and put somebody else in for a drive. I think that's huge for Carolina. So uh, I think – those are the three that I think right now, overall through the first three games of the season, you got to have your stock up on. And as you can see, they are all on, <laughs> on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> I was picking up on that. And in fact, was about to say it. I was like, that's very interesting, but obviously makes a ton of sense that everyone in your stock up category is all the guys putting up these monster numbers on, on offense right now. And by the way, you talked about App State. What a crazy beginning to the season they've had. The game against North Carolina, the 63-61, then the upset in College Station, and then that crazy Hail Mary walk-off this past weekend. The Mountaineers are just riding the crazy train, make sure everyone, not to mention hosting game day, by the way. Wow, wow, wow. Now, Anthony, let's look on the other side of the ledger. We've had our stock up. Uh, what are we trying to sell off? What Whose stock is down? Well, I mean, first, I, I think the guy who's stocked down and who, who stock is down the most from the start of the season is Storm Duck. And it's a guy that I think a lot of people, um, honestly, it's kind of painful because we watched him as a freshman and we thought, man, this guy had something special. And I wonder, you know, how much of the injury slowed him down? Is he, at, th- at this point, you almost wonder, is he still dealing with something that we really don't know? And he's just trying to fight through it because he wants to be able to be out on the field. Um, because he is, I mean, he has gotten toasted in each of the first three games. He's allowed 
70 or more yards in coverage. He's allowed five touchdowns. Uh, this is a guy that just right now can't seem to get his footing. And I hate to say it, but he's, you know, I, I wrote an article that I put up the other day, and I said that there are, um, you know, some guys that probably need to have some competition at their position. And I think that he is one of those guys. you got to start looking at other guys at that spot and seeing if they're just a better long-term fit for you right now because uh, he is really, really struggling. And I don't really know how to get him back on track. I know they were wanting to try to use him a little bit at nickel. Yeah, Maybe that's an option, although I don't know if you want to take DeAndre Boykins off the field with how he's been playing. So it's yeah, it's such a challenge right now with him. But he's a guy that I think a lot of people were wanting to see him sort of get back to that freshman form at the least, if not take that step forward that we thought he was going to be able to take after his freshman year. And it's just not happening for him right now. Uh, the, the, the other group that uh, just a group in general that I think the stock is down on is the defensive line. Um, there's no doubt that that was probably the unit that I think most of us were most excited about, not just on the defensive side of the ball, but really on the entire yeah. team. Because if yeah. you looked at the overall talent of this group, I mean, you're, you're talking about four and five stars across the board. Pretty much Carolina had a three deep of five stars ready to go. And so far, uh, these dudes have struggled uh, as much as any defensive front group that I've seen Carolina have over these last few years. I mean, you talk about just where the talent level was at with Gene Chizik when he first came in in 2015 on that defensive line. One of the, I mean, your best pass rusher was Mikey Bart, and that was a unit that got home more often than this unit did. I mean, look, the first week, Carolina 23 total pressures in the game. So that's sacks, hurries, and quarterback hits. Uh, the last two weeks combined, 23. So, and, and look, you're getting ready to go up against Notre Dame. You're going up against the Virginia Tech team that, look, they're not great offensively, but their offensive line is one of their strengths. You're going to face really good offensive lines the rest of the way out. So you couldn't beat up on the guys that you were supposed to beat up on. How much confidence should you have in this group moving forward? And I think that's part of the reason why you got to start seeing rotation up there. I think we've all seen it. Travis Shaw, it looks the part. I know he may not be in the greatest shape, but it's time to start rotating some of these other dudes in, and, and let's see if they can generate anything up front because without pressure, it's not going to be able to help the rest of this group. And then I think the other thing you know, that I would probably put stock down on sort of combines with that defensive line, I think it's Tim Cross, the defensive line coach for the Tar Heels right now. You know, look, again, he's done a tremendous job recruiting-wise. I just talked about how this room is loaded with four- and five-star guys, but it just doesn't seem like they are being developed. It's the same issues that were plaguing this group a year ago. It's guys that cannot get off of blocks. It doesn't seem like there's a ton of rotation down there either. And it seems like right now the group is just lacking the physicality that they need to have down there. And I thought Tim Cross was one of those guys coming into the year. It was a big year for him. He had to see this group step up and perform the way that we know they are capable of. It hasn't happened so far. And, look, I know it's only three games into the season, and I'm not saying it's time for him to go just yet. But what I am saying is you've got to see some market improvement moving forward because if you don't, in order for things to work with Gene Chizik and Matt Brown, guys that don't seem to have the longest timelines in college football, you need some immediate results here, and they may have to look at a new defensive line coach. Ooh, boy, you're not wrong on any of that, but it is tough to take that in and here. But listen, 
you're giving up 61 points. You gotta, you gotta figure some stuff out. And uh, man, good stuff. Thank you for your honesty. Thanks for bringing all that in, Anthony. I think you're spot on with all of that. Now, some of these are expected, some unexpected, and that's the truth for any season. I want to find out from Anthony what is his biggest surprise and his most frustrating letdown, if there's any outside of that. And so far, who is his non-Drake May MVP for this team? We'll talk about that right after I tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this upcoming week's games. Bet Online is also your continued source for your sports wagering info, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Mr. Anthony. So um, some of this might truthfully be similar answers to stock up, stock down. But if there are other answers outside of that, would love to know it. So first, I want to start with who has been the biggest surprise to you? Who or perhaps what has been the biggest surprise to you so far this season for North Carolina? Um, I mean, there's a, there, there's definitely a couple of things, but I would say, you know, if you're going in the positive direction, I would say it's probably been the true freshman running backs, um, primarily mm. Amari and Hampton. Um, yeah. I think that we thought George Petaway would be a guy that could contribute to this team. And I think, you know, maybe his contributions have been about what we expected with this group. But Amari and Hampton being a summer enrollee coming in and basically being the top running back on this team um, is pretty amazing to me because, look, I, I know that there was talent galore with him and we knew he was going to be a good player. But it's a steep learning curve going from the high school game, especially when you're as dominant as he is. Usually those guys are as dominant as he is. We saw it the year before with a guy that Carolina brought in in their recruiting class in Camaro Edmonds. It didn't translate. Where with Omari and Hampton, it's just completely different. This guy is living up to all the comparisons. Um, I know first game of the year, there were some comparisons to Natron Means. There's been endless comparisons of him to a freshman, Javante Williams. Um, but I thought what you saw in that Georgia State game was special. That was a guy that uh, can run with power. But when he needed to hit that hole and needed to make a play for Carolina to turn the events of a game that was not going Carolina's way at that point, <laughs> he did. And for a true 100%. freshman to be able to do that out of the backfield uh, is, is great. And that's what you want to see from Carolina. Um, I think that so many people focus on what Carolina has a quarterback or wide receiver in this Phil Longo offense. But ultimately, the key to this Phil Longo offense, and I'll give credit to my co-host Josh Marlowe, who has been saying this since we first started talking about Phil Longo's offense when he first arrived in Chapel Hill. The key to this offense is the run game. And mm -hmm. it, it, it has been shown once again this year that when this team runs the ball well, they are going to win a lot of games. And Amari and Hampton has been outstanding so far this year. I would say the biggest shock in the other direction and the most disappointing <laughs> direction, yeah. um, you know, it's kind of a balance between that defensive line and that secondary. Um, but I would probably still lean with that defensive line. Again, okay. like I said, there were just so many expectations. And it's so many of the guys that are there, too. 
You know, I hate calling out names of guys, but, you know, we expected a lot from Miles Murphy. We thought that he was going to be a guy that took the next step. And I know he got banged up in the game against Georgia State, but before then, you know, he's a guy that's kind of been getting taken out of games. And you need him to be that guy uh, that can take on two offensive linemen and still be able to cause havoc in there. I think the one that's probably the most frustrating, once again, is we haven't seen what we heard in the fall, in fall camp, even in the spring, carry over for Dez Evans. He's a guy that's been non-existent, really, these first few games of the year. I know uh, Carolina gave him the defensive player of the game against App State. To be fair, I think you only had to make about one or two plays in that game, and you had a shot. <laughs> um, and he did make a couple of nice plays early, but he's kind of disappeared yeah. outside of that. Yeah. You need more consistency. And I got to tell you, I think, once again, Kamen Rucker is looking more consistent than him. And he's a guy that's working harder. So, And he started I, against Georgia State, right? Rucker I did. believe, yeah, I believe yeah. so. And I think yeah. he deserves it. I think Kamen yeah. Rucker is one of those guys that is, he's undersized. He's probably a guy that doesn't fit the position that he's playing at perfectly. But he's a dude that just balls. He plays hard, man. He's got his, he's, he's going to give you 110% every play. And that's the reason why he's out there. I'm not saying that Des Evans isn't giving you that, but this is a guy that is not living up to his high four-star um, and for the longest time, a five-star billing. Uh, and it's just, you're, you're seeing this all across the unit of guys that are four and five stars that just are not playing at the level that they need to mm-hmm. right now. So it's hard not to be disappointed in that unit. And believe me, I want them to be able to turn around and they've got the guys to do it. Yeah. But it's as a Toriel fan, you're honestly probably sitting there saying to yourself, when is it going to happen? Like it, we've been, we've been begging for it to happen since some of these guys started rolling in back in 2020 and it just hasn't. So it's time to stop having all this hype in the preseason and for this unit to step up. And I think they may have to do it, as I mentioned just a little a little bit ago, for a defensive line coach that could be on the hot seat. Yeah, boy. And and like you said, I think it does come down to either the line or the secondary. But mm-hmm. my goodness, uh, the secondary could be helped out a lot by the line, making things a little bit more uncomfortable Definitely. for the quarterback. And then everything would look better all around. So it's got to start up front. I'm with you, Anthony. Great call there. Now. I think if if I to ask you who's the MVP of this team through the first three weeks, it's no brainer Drake May. Just like you started off with your first stock up, so I'm going to take him off the table and make you give me somebody else outside of Drake May who so far has been the MVP of this team. Man, that's a tough one, man. There's so many guys here, but I got I got to go with Amari and Hampton. I mean, still okay. one of the nation's leading rushers uh, in terms of touchdowns. And he's gotten off to a really solid start. I mean, look, a pretty slow game against App State in terms of yards, but did find the end zone. So he's found the end zone in each of his first three games. And so far, two of the first three, Florida A&M and Georgia State, he's ran for over 100 yards and ran for two touchdowns. And I think you can't put enough stock into that play that he made on a long touchdown run against Georgia State because that completely changed that game. If he does not make that long run – Carolina's probably two and one because at that point, Georgia State had all the momentum going their way and he rips one off. And look, it's back to back weeks that Carolina's run game made a huge play for them. Caleb Hood the week before made that huge play for App State. But Amari and Hampton really stepping up early on. 
Um, I think it's close, though. I think uh, Kobe Pesor deserves a lot of credit for how well he's played yeah. in the first two yeah. games of the season. I think it's just really tough because, you know, I, I think if if he had stayed healthy, I feel like this answer, no doubt, would be Josh Downs. But at the same time, you know, you kind of have to ask yourself, was the Josh Downs injury maybe one of the better things that happened to this offense that forced them to find out what That's they right. had in some of these That's other right. guys? And these younger guys are stepping up and making plays so far for Carolina. Yeah, it, it just only can bring you excitement and expectation for what happens when he does return. And obviously, if I gave you Drake May back on the table, he's your choice here. But man, how Clearly. cool that a yeah, how cool that a true freshman summer enrollee is your answer to this question. Really neat stuff. Folks, make sure you're not missing out. And also another shout out to the offensive line for creating that hole through which Hampton had that impressive run to turn the momentum back in Carolina's favor in that game well so far we have been looking backwards and we want to flip our attention now forwards let's look at what's happened in these first three weeks and then give some projections about where we think the rest of the season is heading with where we're at we've seen the product on the field what does it mean so anthony what what i want to ask you actually first before we get there let's mention this we are about two months away, just under two months away from basketball season. And so far, apparently some others, some schools have thought that it was already basketball season because we have seven of the 10 winningest basketball programs of all time that are currently 3-0. and Hear me again, folks. Seven of the top 10 winningest basketball programs of all time are 10-0, and or 3-0, and excuse me. Kansas, number one all time. Kentucky, number two. Carolina, three. Duke four, Syracuse six, UCLA seven, and Indiana 10. Those are seven of the top 10. All seven of those schools are apparently now football programs, all sitting at three and oh. How fun is this to watch, Mr. Bagnata? I mean, it's insane, man. There was a push. A lot of people were very disappointed by the fact that they were not going to uh, Lawrence to cover the game uh, on game day between Duke and Kansas, yeah, right. uh, which is the craziest thing that we've ever heard. Um, I'm pretty sure that most people would have been heading to Allen Fieldhouse and then they would have realized, no, this is for a football <laughs> game, people. Um, but it's it's tremendous. Wrong game think, day, yeah. I think, you know, you look at some of the, some of the teams, a lot of them have – Coaches that are relatively new, Lance Leopold at Kansas, who's done a tremendous job. Uh, Mike Elko, I mean, look, I know a lot of Tar Heel fans don't want to do it, but you got to give him credit to Duke. Right. He's off to a great start there. Um, it looks like he could have something going with that program. And then Indiana, you know, they, uh, they, they've had Tom Allen for a few years now. They were good a couple of years ago, but a lot of people thought that they were a team that was just going to kind of rescind, especially after they lost their starting quarterback. Uh, to the transfer portal this past offseason. So uh, it's it's been tremendous. And, I mean, look, you've seen some really good environments at some of these schools as well. I would imagine that Kansas is going to have a pretty solid environment for their game. I thought the environment the other day for Syracuse's game against the Purdue was dome. outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's just, I mean, it, it's really cool to see that there are some schools that are – you know, looked at as basketball schools, looked at as schools that just do not care about football. That's been uh, the moniker, I think, really, especially for Toriel fans, that's been the moniker for a long time. Well, you know, they'll be they'll be in basketball mode by October. Um, and I, I know Carolina fans are probably a little conflicted about how to feel at this point, but, <laughs> hey, you're undefeated. And the other cool thing, I mentioned it to you right before we got on here, 
Uh, everybody from the triad is undefeated as well. Uh, Wake Forest got a heck of a scare from Liberty. That was very, very close. Um, yeah. But everybody else, uh, they are still undefeated at this point. So the state of North Carolina and the basketball th- schools throughout the country uh, are off to a tremendous start to this season. Man, pretty cool stuff. Love to see it. Uh, I'm sure it's obviously not going to carry on too long, but we got to recognize it while it's happening. So now let's do look ahead. Anthony, first, what I want to get from you is based on what we've already seen. uh, I know we've got technically Notre Dame is a non-conference game, but they play basically, you know, a big ACC schedule and they're ACC and all these other sports. So basically now we're into conference play. So give me just a couple storylines that you're really going to be watching closely as we now get into conference play. Well, I mean, first of all, it's kind of how open is the Coastal? Uh, Because I'm starting to think it is a lot more open than we originally thought. Um, My preseason pick currently has an issue at quarterback. Uh, Pitt doesn't know. We we have no idea what the status of Keaton Slovis is going forward or even Nick Patty. They had to start their third-string quarterback the other night against Western Michigan. That's not really going to work great when you get into conference play. So we're going to have to see where exactly they're at. There's a team that is also maybe a little bit vulnerable defensively, a little more than a year ago. Um, And remember, Carolina has gone to uh, overtime against them back-to-back games that they've played them. So they've been really close. Can they find a way to win that one in this year's matchup in Keenan Stadium? That would be huge. Um, But I think outside of them, you know, look, I think some people, you know, definitely had high expectations for Miami. I'm not saying that they are a team that uh, is going to have a terrible year by any stretch of the imagination or that there is no chance that they could win the ACC Coastal. But I don't think they're as dominant as we thought they could possibly be. I still think it's going to take Mario Cristobal time to sort of build what he's trying to build there. Um, Virginia, man, they have some pieces offensively, but their offensive line really, really struggles, and their defense is still not good. So uh, they're a team that Carolina should have a chance against. And, you know, Virginia Tech, another team that I think some people were wondering what exactly would they be in their first year under their head coach, Brent Pry. Well, the good news is for Virginia Tech fans, they're a pretty good defensive team. The bad news is they are not a good offensive team by any stretch. So it's, I think if you look at this, and I mean, we, I don't know where Duke is at at this point. I think that you've got to start considering them uh, as a team that could, Maybe not win the ACC Coastal, but could be a factor if you are sleeping on them coming into the game that you play against them. Um, and then Georgia Tech is just, you know, they, they're they looking bad. But I think what you're seeing, <laughs> at, you know, with all that I described is this Coastal's open. And this is right. it's the last year of the ACC Coastal. It only makes sense that there would be more Coastal chaos. So I think Carolina, they've got to think that they've got an opportunity here. And you know, the other thing that I'm really looking for is, you know, what can this can, can this defense gain some confidence in itself um, moving forward? Can they get that one game that sort of starts to get them rolling? Because we all think that at some point it is going to happen because of who the defensive coordinator is. If they can, it ties in with that first storyline that I just brought up. Yep, that yep. this team could win the ACC Coastal. But it's on this defense to step up. This offense is more than capable of scoring 38, 40 points a game this season. The problem is if you don't stop some of these offenses that you're going to play, 
pretty much some of those offenses, especially at the end of the schedule, Wake Forest, that's one that'll be tough, Pittsburgh. Um, and I, I don't really know what to make of NC State's offense at this point, which yeah, does not look I'm good at you. all. Yeah. But you never really know by that point in the season, Carolina could be in some trouble. So they've got to be able to gain some confidence defensively because if they can, there's a chance that they could be in a really good spot to win this ACC Coastal this year. Man, that's that's some great, great uh, acknowledgements there. And they're like, it's so true. Like, it's very wide open. A lot of teams, we're not really sure what to make of them yet. And obviously, that same with the Tar Heels, right? And that's going to unfold yeah. as things continue on. Now, you talked about some of these tough tests later in the schedule. I want to hear from you as you look ahead to the final nine games of the regular season. What would you say is the toughest test on the schedule? Ooh, man, that's it's tough because there's a lot of matchups that are kind of different than I think we originally thought. I think Miami is one that most of us had kind of written down as a loss. But if you look at it now and you combine, you know, Carolina's success against Miami, I think they've got a shot there. Now, the thing I will say is, is that we cannot just classify Miami off of what we saw the other night against no. Texas a and I know no. that wasn't a great performance, especially offensively, but it was on the road. The game for Carolina against the Hurricanes will be in Coral Gables. But right. um, I do think that that is a team that looks a, a little bit more gettable than it did at the start of the season. Um, Wake Forest looks really good, but I think they got very similar problems that they did a year ago. They really can't stop anybody. So that could be yet another matchup between the Tar Heels and Demon Deacons. <laughs> uh, the first one, 255, ends up winning that game. Take the um, over, folks. State, you know, <laughs> NC State is just – I don't really know where, to, where they're at. Um, I think that they have avoided two possible upsets. Now, I mean, the one – Last night again, or the, the other night, I should say, against Texas Tech. I mean, I, I don't know if you would say they avoided the upset. They were up 20 to nothing, but they still didn't look great in that game. So um, if I had to say right now, I would still say it's probably that NC State game, just because that's a team that if they get by Clemson, it's hard to see them losing another game the rest of the way because they'll probably be favored in just about every other game. But I think that it is a really close uh, contest between them and Wake Forest at this point because I think that Wake Forest, we've seen what Carolina's defense has looked like uh, against a guy that was a veteran quarterback in Chase Bryce who coming into the season a lot of people didn't trust. Well, Sam Hartman's a guy that's a veteran <laughs> and is a guy that a lot of people in the country trust right. and is putting up that's really right. good numbers. Both of those games I think will be very, very tough for Carolina. Oh, yes. Another uh, Thanksgiving week. Interesting rivalry match with Wolfpack. Should be fun. Carolina looking for some big time revenge after the letdown last year. So, Anthony, last piece and then we'll get out of here. You've got nine more regular season games, eight conference games in Notre Dame. What is your projection? Uh, we don't have to go game by game, but just give me the number for those final nine games in terms of wins and losses. Well, uh, coming into the season, I had the team at nine and three, but that was me picking them to lose the game against App State. So <laughs> yeah. conventional wisdom would say, hey, stick with your prediction. And this team is going to be 10 and two at the end of the season. Um, and I think yeah. it's more than possible. Um, 
I yeah, I, I think I think I'll go with that. I think seven and two down the stretch hey. of the season. Um, I'm, I'm a guy that's going to lean more optimistic, no doubt about it. But I think also when you look at it, um, Notre Dame's a team that is definitely not the team that we thought they were going to be, um, especially now without Tyler Buckner. That's a game that uh, is going to be it's, – it's a weird one because coming into the year, we looked at that as an opportunity to get a really big win for Carolina. Now I think there's going to be a lot of people that look at that as, hey, they have to win this game because that's yeah. not a good Notre Dame team. Uh, which is wild to think that we're at that point without quickly things have changed at Notre Dame. Virginia Tech, you know, that's always a team that's given Carolina trouble. But again, their offense doesn't look great. Miami looks a little more gettable, although I will still say Carolina probably loses that game, being on the road in Coral Gables. Um, and that team, you know, look, they're still going to be pretty hyped up uh, down there because this is still a team that has a shot to make it to the ACC championship game. And all they got to do, look, a, a win later on down the line. I know they've got Clemson. I know they have a couple of other matchups uh, in the ACC that are big-time matchups. One win could really uh, sort of re-energize those conversations about Miami nationally. Uh, Duke on the road, I think Carolina wins that game probably. Pittsburgh at home, I, I just – I got confidence in this team to get that one done. They have came, they have come so close the last two years. I think this year they'll pull it out, especially with them being at home. Virginia, that was one that I thought might be a tougher game. And, hey, Brennan Armstrong may throw for 500 yards on this team. But Drake <laughs> may, may throw for 700 because that Virginia defense is just as bad as it was a year ago. So I think yeah. Carolina will win that one. Wake Forest, if I had to say that's probably a loss right now, I just think, you know, sort of the same thing that we that, that I talked about with Carolina and Pittsburgh. Wake Forest has been extremely close to beating Carolina the last couple of matchups. Their offense has done the job. Their defense just hasn't been able to help them out. So I think having to go there, that might be the difference. Georgia Tech, man, I mean, there, there are so many things that play a factor into that. But Carolina has to win that game this year, right? You've got a team in Georgia Tech that just looks beat down even early in the season right now. I mean, they just got shut out by Ole Miss, did not show a shred of hope for their fan base. Most people want uh, their head coach fired down there um, in Jeff Collins. And Carolina's got to have the revenge factor in their mind after what happened yeah. last year, right? Yeah. And oh. then I'm the guy, look, I will never, ever pick Carolina to lose to NC State. It is never going to happen. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I think that Carolina's defense against NC State's offense, probably a pretty favorable matchup for the defense. Because right now, both of them are looking like like hot garbage. So uh, <laughs> I think you know Carolina might have the edge in that one, especially with what happened last year. There is going to be so much animosity coming into that game. A lot of revenge that a lot of those guys on the sidelines are going to want to enact. And not to mention... It is going to be in Keenan Stadium. It will be a raucous environment, you would imagine, especially if they come in where I have the team sitting at at 9-2. Yeah. Boy, 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 boy. Some potential big things are ahead. A wide-open coastal. Carolina's got to take care of business, though. Got to figure out the defensive side of the ball, as Anthony talked about. The good news is, got this opportunity ahead to knock off Notre Dame. It's still Notre Dame, despite their rough start. Anthony and I will talk about that game on 
Friday show. Make sure you tune in. But as for today, that is it. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or first watch today. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow Anthony at HTB. Anthony, make sure you check out the Heel Tough blog. And you can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen of the day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. Anthony and I want to thank you so much for joining us on a Monday as we get back into game week. And we want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace!